Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be doing a live guided meditation of breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. Because it's really important, no matter how busy our lives may become or how isolated we might feel due to quarantining with COVID, that we need to find time and make time each day for meditation. The ideal would be that we do three meditations a day, morning, midday, and evening. However, it's important to build your practice up to that. So even if you can just get once a day of meditation, that's a really wonderful place to start. And I would recommend either morning or evening. And that's probably going to change. Not every single day are you going to be able to meditate in the morning. Not every single day are you going to be able to meditate in the evening. It just doesn't happen because of impermanence. But at least one of those times, either morning or evening, be sure you're getting a meditation session. And then once you're doing that for a consistent period of time, maybe two or four weeks, six weeks, then ramp up your practice where you're getting twice a day, morning and evening. Because meditating in the morning really helps to kind of set your day and get the mind ready for the day. And meditating in the evening really helps to ease the mind into sleep. And if you do this on a repetitive cycle where you're always meditating in the morning, in the evening, morning and evening, even if you happen to miss one session, if you miss the morning because you woke up a little bit late or you stretched a little bit longer in the bed, and you missed your morning session, well, you know you got your evening session. So one of the wonderful things about twice a day is that if you happen to miss one here or there, then you still got another one coming up. And by going to sleep, having meditated, and then wake up meditating, there's only so many things that can happen to you in a day, and you can slowly, gradually train the mind towards the goal of this enlightened mental state where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. Because who wants to live with sadness or anger, frustration, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, resentment, jealousy? Who's interested in really living with those feelings? Nobody enjoys those feelings. So we can use these discontent feelings as motivation to train our mind in the Buddhist teachings, which includes meditation. Because once you do your work, and as you do your work each day, morning, midday, and evening, the mind's going to become gradually more and more peaceful, 
more calm, more serene, more content, and more joyful until eventually you get to the point where anger never arises in the mind. Sadness never arises. There's no guilt or shame or fear. There's never any boredom. There's never any loneliness, no shyness or resentment or jealousy. This is the ideal way to experience this life. Because once you attain this enlightened mental state and the mind becomes more and more awake, you can enjoy the rest of your life. But in order to get there, you're going to have to put in the work. And that's what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be putting in some work to train this mind through meditation and help you to progress along this path. But this is just one thing that needs to happen in order to awaken the mind. Oftentimes, people put a lot of importance on meditation, and it's important. Without meditating, you would never be able to get to enlightenment. However, if all you ever did was meditate, you wouldn't get to enlightenment. There's other teachings that you need, and that's what this whole channel is about. That's what this Facebook group's about. That's what this podcast is about. That's what all of these teachings that I share are about is sharing with you the entire path to enlightenment. And today we're coming together to encourage, support, and motivate each other in our practice. So I would like to invite you to pull up a meditation cushion, to pull up a chair, and start to get into a position for us to do meditation together. Today's all about meditation, breathing, mindfulness meditation, and loving kindness meditation. This is going to help you to eliminate craving, desire, attachment, the cause of discontentedness, and it's going to help you eliminate hatred, anger, and ill will through practicing loving kindness. And these are two of the primary problems that Gautama Buddha discovered in the mind. So go ahead and get comfortable with your lower body, whether you're in the seated position or lying position, standing position. Whatever position that you're in, those are the three that we normally do these. There's one other position of walking meditation that I'm going to be creating a video here soon and releasing that so that you can learn walking meditation. But this particular meditation of breathing mindfulness with loving kindness, we typically do it either seated, standing, or lying. Your lower body should be comfortable. Your upper body should be nice and erect with your muscles engaged. This helps to keep the mind active, attentive, and alert because we need to train the mind. Meditation is an active, dedicated, purposeful training session where we're actively training the mind to either eliminate certain unwholesome qualities and arise certain wholesome qualities. So today we're going to be eliminating the unwholesome quality of craving, desire, attachment while cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind. And when we do loving kindness meditation, we're working to eliminate hatred, anger, ill will, and cultivate loving kindness or active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. And you're going to need your spine nice and erect to keep the mind attentive, alert, and aware. This is what's going to ensure that you can actively train the mind during this meditation session. 
Your hands in the arms, usually I place my right hand over the left with the thumbs together and then place that into your lap. But if that's not comfortable, you can place your palms on your thighs or your knees or on the armrests of a chair. You can place your palms up, whatever's comfortable for you. This practice isn't about everyone doing it exactly the same because that's impossible because of impermanence. It's impossible for everyone to be in exactly the same position. So why even try? The important thing is that body is comfortable, that it's relaxed and comfortable, but not luxurious. We need to keep the mind attentive and alert during our meditation session. So once the body's in a position where it's comfortable, but yet erect at the spine to keep the mind attentive and alert, just close the eyes and now start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. All we're going to do here at the beginning is just breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. Just develop a nice natural breath. Don't try to force your breath. Don't try to control it. Just breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Focus the mind on the breath. Observe the breath. Focus the mind on the sound or the air entering into the nose, that sensation of air moving over the skin into the nose. Focus the mind right there. That's the fixed position to focus the mind. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. I'm going to leave you here focused on the breath. I'm going to do some chanting to ease us down into meditation. And then I'll be back with some more guidance. But just focus on the breath. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in and out. Arahang Samma Samhoto Mahakava Bhotang Mahakavanang Apivate Sawakato Mahakavata Tammo 
Bamangnamasami. Supatipano Mahakawato Savakasanko Sanghang Namami Napmodhasapakawato Arato Sama Samputasa Napmodhasa Pakavato Arato Sama Samputasa Napmodhasa Pakavato Arahato Sama Samputasa Iti Piso Mahakawa Arahang Sama Samhoto Uwi cacara nang samhono Sakatoro kawitu Anutero purisa Tamasati satatawa manusanang Puto Pakavati Should be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose at your own pace. Just a nice, natural breath. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in. should be fixated on the breath, the sound of the breath, or the sensation of the air moving over the skin into the nose. The breath is the present moment. You're training the mind to reside only on the present moment, the breath. Breathing in, out breathing in and out 
as the mind is focused on the breath, when it wanders to the past or to the future, wherever you observe that, just cut it off, let it go, and focus the mind on the breath, only the breath. Breathing in, and out. Breathing in, and out. If there's any thoughts, ideas, perceptions, even sounds or sensations in the body, anything arises, observe that it's impermanent, let it go, cut off the thought, bring the mind to the breath the present moment, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. As the mind wanders, there's no need to feel guilty or shameful. You've done nothing wrong. What you're doing right now is so wholesome. It's so wonderful. It's just that that untrained mind doesn't want to be controlled. And what you're doing is training the mind to come back to the breath, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. cause of the problem of discontentedness is the mind's holding on. It doesn't want to let go. It doesn't like change. It craves permanence. You're training the mind to let go. So wherever you notice that it's wandered and holding on to something, You let it go and bring it to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. Breathing in 
may even want to hold on to my voice and may want guidance all the way through this meditation. But this voice is impermanent. I'm going to be quiet and let you just focus on the breath. Then I'll be back for loving kindness meditation. You have nowhere to go. You have nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out.
Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. <clears throat> Repeat this affirmation in the mind on the out breath. Breathing in May I be peaceful. safe. free of all discontentedness <clears throat> in the suffering it causes. be peaceful. May they be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. speech 
or the sounds that they make be peaceful. be safe. free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. be peaceful may they be safe be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Peaceful. 
May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I have harmed through my intentions be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I'm, who I've harmed through my speech and the sounds that I make be peaceful.
May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I've harmed with my actions be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I've harmed through my livelihood be peaceful.
May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all beings, no matter where they reside, here on this earth or far, far away, be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes.
Breathing in. And out. Continue with breathing mindfulness meditation.
Pleased to see all of you here today. I see Max and Judith, Manal, Mercia, Chatel, all of you guys from all over the world coming together to support and encourage each other. I can see Amina on Facebook. I'm sure there's others. I can't really see people in social media land, only the people in Zoom. But it's wonderful to have all of you guys joining and meditating because this is the very best thing you could ever do for your life is train the mind in these teachings and training your mind with meditation. Even the Buddha himself said, breathing mindfulness meditation is the absolute best thing, 
highest quality activity you could ever do. The second highest quality is loving kindness meditation. So you just did both of those. So I would like to give a chance for you guys to ask any questions that you might have about meditation or the path to enlightenment or anything that you're encountering. I'd like to just open up, allow Max to share any questions coming in by comments in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. And anybody who's in Zoom, you can raise your hand to ask questions or any follow-up questions. We have a question from Amina. She asks, is there a difference in benefit between a moment during meditation when the mind is truly clear versus when the mind is clear and the thought comes into the mind, the mind is clear now? The idea is to get to a clear mind, a steady mind, whether that happens at one point or another doesn't matter you're training the mind to let go of these thoughts and the more that you train the mind to let go then you're gaining control over the mind you're going to have thoughts in the mind all the way up until you get to enlightenment you're going to have thoughts and even then you're going to experience occasional thoughts but they're going to be all wholesome thoughts and you still need to let them go as well so the goal in meditation what some people think is the goal is to completely eliminate thoughts and some people even think that's the goal in daily life is to eliminate thoughts but the fact is is that we need thoughts thoughts are what helps us in our life having thoughts but the random bombardment of thoughts the unwholesome thoughts this is what's destructive to the mind those negative thoughts so this bombardment, overactivity, these unwholesome, these negative thoughts, that's the problem. And the mind is going to keep having these until we train it otherwise. So in meditation, whenever any thought, wholesome or unwholesome, comes to the surface, we're letting it go and bringing the mind back to the breath. Letting it go, bringing the mind back to the breath. Because then we gain control over this mind. Because... If your mind is experiencing anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, what have you, you don't yet have full control over the mind. And that's why it's still experiencing those discontent feelings, because you don't yet have full control over it. But the more you train the mind through meditation, you will gain more and more control over the mind so that when someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't feel anything because the mind's completely controlled in the middle. Somebody yells at you. You control the mind. No anger whatsoever. But in that transitionary period, there's going to be some anger arise. And when it does, you cut it off and let it go. Or then the same event happens a few weeks later. And it's not anger anymore. It's frustration. Cut it off. Let it go. A few weeks later, irritated. Cut it off. Let it go. A few weeks later, annoyed cut it off, let it go. A few weeks later, hmm, I kind of don't like that. Cut it off, let it go. A few weeks later, same thing happens. No arising of any discontent feelings whatsoever. The mind's just perfectly peaceful, calm, serene, content with joy because now you can control the mind. You no longer have this longing and strong eagerness for things to be different. The mind recognizes the impermanence. 
the mind recognizes that you can't physically drive in a car and never have anyone cut you off. It's just not possible. The mind recognizes that you can't exist in this world and never have anyone get angry or hostile around you. It's not possible. You can't live in this world and never hear a sound from somebody else. It's not possible. And the mind gets more and more acclimated to all of this impermanence and it soaks into the mind and it becomes comfortable and it becomes peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, knowing that everything it's experiencing is impermanent. So therefore it doesn't hold on to anything because if it holds on to anything, at some point it's going to be discontent. So the only way to get to that peaceful, still mind that you're talking about, Amina, is to let go, let go, let go, let go. And it builds this ability to control the mind more and more and more. And eventually, as the mind goes out and it wanders, you pull it back. The mind goes out, it wanders, you pull it back. The mind goes out, it wanders, you pull it back. Each time you do that, the mind wanders shorter and shorter distances. When you first started meditating, it might have wandered for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Whoa, the mind's wandering. Boom, you pulled it back. And you sat on the breath maybe a few seconds. Wandered some more. 5, 10, 15 minutes. Whoa, look at that long place it wandered to. You pulled it back. Where each time you meditate, the time that the mind wanders gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Where it wanders for just a minute, you pull it back. 45 seconds, boom, 30 seconds, pull it back. 10 seconds, pull it back. Eventually, the mind doesn't wander. It just stays right here. It's like training this dog to never take the leash far away. Eventually, when you keep pulling it back, the mind gets trained to just stay right here and never wander from this spot. And the more that the mind sees that this middle is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, It never has an interest to go anywhere else. It just always stays right here, but it takes that training. So if you're feeling peacefulness at any point in your meditation or afterwards, that's a good thing. And if you're not, then okay, then that's fine too. There's just more training that needs to be done. So it seems, David, there is a difference between experiencing a truly clear mind and noticing thinking the mind is clear. I was wondering if you can talk a bit about the role of mindfulness in all of this, how you define mindfulness and how we can practice it. Mindfulness is probably the most important asset in everything that you develop on this path. Mindfulness is awareness of mind, always having awareness of mind. Awareness of mind is required because if you're not aware that the mind's frustrated or irritated or jealous, or bored, or lonely, then you can't do anything about it. You're just kind of haphazardly walking through life. So the Buddha talked about mindfulness, and his exact words were, mindfulness is always useful. Because he talked about certain qualities of mind that need to be practiced at a certain time, and he talked about these other qualities that need to be practiced at a certain time. But when he talked about mindfulness, he said it's always useful. The mind should always be practicing mindfulness or awareness of mind. Because as soon as you see the mind drift from the middle, you got to pull it back. Not just in meditation, but in daily life. So when you see the mind start to dip into the sadness and 
despair and frustration, as soon as you notice it, boom, pull it back. Because if you allow it to go down that path too far, it's a lot harder to bring it back. Same thing, if you notice the mind going to happiness, excitement, elation, as soon as you see the mind even looking in that direction, boom, pull it back. Or when you notice the mind is going to boredom or loneliness or jealousy, as soon as you see it, just pull it back. And the way you pull it back is sometimes to divert it to something else. So if you notice that the mind starting to have frustration or look in that direction, get up and go do something else or go somewhere else. You've got to apply right effort to abandon this unwholesome quality that's arising in the mind and arise wholesome qualities. And it's mindfulness that allows you to do that, this awareness of mind. When people talk about meditating 24 hours a day or they meditate all day long, it's not possible to meditate all day long for the rest of your life. It's not possible. There's people that have meditated for five days or 10 days or whatever in a given period, but ultimately meditation comes to an end because it's this active, dedicated, purposeful training session where you're either eliminating certain qualities or cultivating certain qualities. What people are actually talking to, what they need to get to is where you're practicing mindfulness all the time during all your waking hours, practicing awareness of mind or mindfulness. Because if you're aware of the mind, whenever you notice discontentedness arising or you're, it's even starting to look in the direction of discontentedness, you can cut it off and bring it back to the middle. And the more and more you do that, it will have less of a tendency to move in that direction. What most people are using the word mindfulness as in our common modern language is people are using the word mindfulness as careful. People will say, oh, be sure you're carrying that water mindfully. Or your neighbors aren't being too mindful upstairs about their noise. That's actually not mindfulness. Mindfulness is awareness of mind, but in the common language, you're going to hear lots and lots of people using the word mindful. I hear it on YouTube all the time because I watch different programs from America and the news and politicians and different things. I watch to see what's going on in the world and people are using this word mindful all the time. But if you listen to what they're saying and you take out the word mindful and you put in careful, they're actually trying to describe being careful. So be sure that you carry that water mindfully or make sure you drive mindfully, right? People are going to be using this word mindful and they're really trying to describe being careful. But what mindfulness is, is it's awareness of mind, being aware when the mind's angry, sad, frustrated, being aware when there's guilt or shame, aware when it's happy, excited, elated, aware when there's guilt or boredom or fears, and also be aware when it's peaceful and calm and serene and content and joyful because that's the middle. And when you experience that peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy, that's where you're interested to bring the mind to. And when you experience that and you know where that groove is, that peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy, whenever the mind diverts at any particular time, you've got to notice that with mindfulness, awareness of mind and bring it back to the middle and get back into that groove. 
And sometimes that's going to take hours. Sometimes it's going to take days to get the mind back to that groove. But the more and more that you bring it back and you get good at bringing it back more and more and more, it will have a tendency to leave that groove less and less frequently. And when it leaves that groove, you're going to get better and better at bringing it back that you can almost snap a finger and bring it back as you get closer and closer to enlightenment. As soon as you see the mind looking in that direction, cut it off and bring it back. And the more and more you do this, it'll eventually have a tendency to just stay in that groove all the time. And it never leaves from that middle way that the Buddha talked about. So mindfulness is what it's all about, is having awareness of mind. So I've heard you say in the past, David, that one way to resolve an attachment is to fulfill it. But I I want to be careful here and not uh, misconstrue what you meant there. So maybe you can elaborate what you mean, because if we're cutting these these thoughts off, we're cutting these emotions off, bring the mind back to the middle, we're no longer causing the mind to go off the middle. But when it does, we have caused it something we've done in the past. And it seems that to some extent, it just has to run its course. So how can we tell the difference between knowing when we're just being unmindful and cutting it off versus letting that thing run its course in a way that does no harm? And when do we need to just cut it off versus when do we need to actually allow it to, uh, to run its course? Okay, we're talking about two different things now. You're talking about craving desire attachment and you're talking about discontentedness okay so let's talk about both of these as it relates to cutting it off okay whenever you notice the mind's discontent painful feelings pleasant feelings or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant you always need to cut these off let them go and bring the mind to the breath or in daily life you need to let go of those discontent feelings and bring the mind to the middle to this peaceful calm serene and content mind with joy by applying right effort okay so anytime you feel any discontentedness whatsoever you need to bring the mind actively bring the mind to the middle now what's causing the discontentedness is the craving desire attachment that's what's in the mind that's causing this discontentedness So to eliminate this discontentedness long term so that it never returns and you can get permanent, peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy, you need to eliminate the craving desire attachment. And that will ensure that discontentedness never arises on that particular topic ever again. And as you eliminate all these craving desires attachments, that's when the mind will be permanently peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy. And the more that you eliminate these and you have less and less of them in the mind, that's why you'll have longer and longer bases of peaceful mind because these cravings aren't being pricked. They're not being triggered because there's fewer and fewer of them in the mind. But when the mind's burdened with all this craving, desire, attachment, someone can be getting mad every other second because they're just a really angry, mad person because they have so much craving, desire, attachment in the mind. But as you start to eliminate these craving, desire, attachments, you'll get these longer and longer periods of peacefulness. But when you're not fully enlightened, you're still going to have certain things that trigger these craving, desire, attachments in the mind. And you're still going to be getting painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. 
So with craving desire attachment, you've got to eliminate these. This is the whole basis of this practice. And breathing mindfulness meditation is the generalized training to slowly train the mind to let go more and more and more, as well as practicing generosity, being generous with our time, effort, energy, and resources. So we can actively train the mind to let go through generalized training of breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity. But there's some craving desire attachments that you need to actively eliminate. So when I gave the example of a long time ago when I left my phone at home and I realized when I went outside, the mind became discontent. I recognized that the mind was having a craving desire attachment to always have the phone with me permanently. And when I was outside, there was a bit of fear that came into the mind because I felt like maybe I wouldn't be able to call somebody if I had a problem. Well, I recognized in that moment that, well, if I need to call somebody, I can always borrow somebody else's phone. So it's not a big deal. I can just use somebody else's phone. But just to be sure that there's craving didn't exist anymore, it's not only breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity that I practice on a regular basis. When I recognized that the mind was discontent because I had left the phone at home, then I took the active step as I left the house over multiple times in the coming weeks to purposefully leave the phone at home and see how the mind responded or reacted in that situation. So I actively put the mind in a situation where previously it experienced discontentedness because it had this craving desire attachment, it had this longing with a strong eagerness for the phone. I purposely put the mind in a situation where it didn't have the phone over multiple times when I went outside and I trained the mind to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content in that situation without the phone. And that's an active role of moving the mind farther and farther away from this craving desire attachment. Or for example, my son. At one time, of course, I had attachment to my son. But when he goes out to school or at one time he went to go spend three or four days with a friend and I was home by myself, my wife was in America, I actively trained the mind to let go and allow him to do whatever he needed to do and go spend time at somebody else's home. And I was by myself. So with some craving desire attachments, not only are you doing breathing mindfulness meditation and practicing generosity on an ongoing basis to gradually train this mind to let go, but when you notice the red light on the dashboard, aha, fear, why? Oh, I left my phone at home. Ah, that's the craving desire attachment. You got to that because of mindfulness. You got to that because of awareness of mind. And now that you know that and you're seeing true reality, now, rather than just assume that the mind is fixed, actively put the mind in that situation where you leave the phone at home or you send your kids to somebody else's house so that you can train the mind to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content without your phone and without your kids, for example. This is actively training the mind and that's why this practice of getting to enlightenment is more than just meditation. You can't just sit on a cushion and get to enlightenment. You have to actively train the mind outside of meditation. And that's 
how you can cut off some of these attachments. However, to your question, there are some attachments that you just have to fulfill. For example, I use this one. If I have the desire, if I have the craving, if I have the attachment, this mental longing with a strong eagerness to go to the Philippines, and I've never been to the Philippines, and I always want to go to the Philippines, and I just sit around and I daydream about it, and I think about it, and I talk about it, I'm always interested in going to the Philippines. And no matter how much meditation, no matter how much generosity, no matter how many books of the Philippines, how many movies of the Philippines I watch, I'm always just want to go to the Philippines. Well, that's the kind of craving desire attachment you're going to probably just have to fulfill in order for you to let it go. And the only way to do that is just go to the Philippines and check it out and see it and observe it. And now you can kind of cross that off your bucket list, so to speak. People talk about these bucket lists. You just cross it off. You're like, okay, I've done that. I no longer have this strong eagerness, this yearning, this longing to go to the Philippines because I did it and I know what it's like and it was fine. So I have no desire to go there again because I've already went there. So if you don't ever go to the Philippines and fulfill that, then perhaps your mind's going to be discontent because it's always going to be thinking about that. So if you can't eliminate it, just out of pure eliminating the attachment and the desire, then sometimes you have to just go and check it out. Now, if you're going to fulfill a craving desire attachment, you should do this with wholesome things. It's not a wholesome attachment. It's not a wholesome craving. All craving desire attachment is going to lead to discontentedness. But for example, if I have a craving to smoke crystal meth or have a craving to snort cocaine that's not one that you really typically are going to say well you know what let me just fulfill this and let me go ahead and snort some cocaine right we typically do when we're younger and we don't know these teachings that's typically how we finally realize these things are no good and we get them out of our life but that's not something by being on this path that you know would lead to any good, wholesome results. So why would you make the decision to fulfill that in snorting cocaine? Because you know that substances that cause heedlessness is going to lead to unwholesome results. So don't try to fulfill those unwholesome things. But if it's something like going to the Philippines, yeah, go to the Philippines, check it out. And then once you do, then the mind can just let that go. And sometimes you can't let things go until you actually try it and you actually experience it and see it for yourself. And you still might go back someday to visit the Philippines again, but at least you don't have this yearning and this longing and this strong eagerness and the mind becomes discontent just because you haven't been able to go. Because if you allow this to invade the mind, if you allow this craving, desire, attachment to continue and reside in the mind, you're just going to keep experiencing discontentedness over and over and over and over again until this is out of the mind. So you either need to distance yourself from the craving, desire, attachment, like the phone, my son, cocaine, marijuana, if you're smoking it for heedlessness, you know, crystal math, you need to distance yourself from these things and train the mind to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy without it. And if you can do that with the Philippines, do that with the Philippines too. And then eventually maybe still go there someday. 
But if your mind just keeps obsessing about something and obsessing about it and obsessing about it, sometimes you just need to fulfill it in order for the mind to finally be like, ah, okay, I know what the Philippines is like. It was a nice place and I went there. I may go back, I may not, but now I understand what it is and I can let that go. So some things you're just going to have to fulfill in order to let it go. I think that's a helpful point there you make the end, David, that we know what it's like now. Maybe when we crave it, we don't really know what it's like. And that's why we crave it in some ways, because the mind sort of fills in the gaps. But when it actually experiences it, it realizes that it's just what it is. You know, and, uh, and so there's a case that if I happen to experience it, to really get to see it clearly and then let it go. Yeah, for example, like right now, like I've never been to South America ever. I've never been to Central America ever. Lived in America for the majority of my life in the United States of America, but have never been to Central or South America. It's something that someday it would be interesting to go. But if I never get to go, it's okay. It's really interesting for me about culture and languages and different foods. This is really interesting to me to see Central America and South America, but I don't have this yearning and this longing and this strong eagerness that I've got to work and get all this money and save up all this money and I got to go see this particular place. But if I was invited someday to go, I would go and I would enjoy it and I would go check it out But if I never have the opportunity to go, then I'm completely fine with that. I'm perfectly peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy right here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. There's nowhere else in the world that my mind is longing to go. And I know like Judith is from Spain. I'd love to go to Spain someday. I've heard lots of great things about it, but I don't have this yearning and this longing to go. France, I've always heard about France and Italy and the UK and Australia and Japan. I've heard about all these different places in the world. I'd be interested to go if, you know, I had the opportunity someday, but I don't daydream about it. I don't yearn for it. I don't think about ever going there. I just know that if I was ever invited, I'd be like, sure, I'll go take a look and I'll go probably teach the Buddhist teachings in those places and check it out and look around. But there's no longing with a strong eagerness to go. I'd even love to go to India because I see Chatel here. I'd love to go to India and Nepal and Bangladesh and all of these other places. I'd be really interested to go explore all of these different places, even Africa. I've never been to Africa, but I don't have a yearning and a longing and a strong eagerness to go to any of these places whatsoever. We have a question from Mika. Sir, in breathing mindfulness meditation, Are wholesome deeds generated only if the mind is able to stay focused on the breath? Or the fact that even if your mind is wandering, you're using right effort, trying to stay focused itself will generate wholesomeness. Yes, just the fact that you've chosen to meditate is a wholesome decision that's going to lead to wholesome results. And even you sit in meditation or stand or walk or lay and things are busy in the mind you're still cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind because you know at the end of meditation, wow, the mind's so busy, right? So sometimes people think negatively, oh, my mind's so busy, I failed at meditation. No, you actually did quite good because 
you had mindfulness, you had awareness of mind, and you saw the mind was really busy. So just the fact that you've chosen to meditate, and even you see that the mind's busy, that's beneficial. But what happens is oftentimes people want to be perfect at something the very first time that they do it. So sometimes I hear people say, I tried that meditation a few times, but my mind was just too busy and I couldn't do it, so I gave up. But that's the whole reason why you need to meditate because your mind is so busy, right? So the fact that your mind's busy and you weren't able to still the mind and quiet the mind, so I gave up. No, that's exactly why you need to be meditating. So if you have a meditation session where everything's really still, all the juices are flowing, everything's working wonderfully, and then the next meditation, everything's really busy, the first meditation wasn't good and the second one wasn't bad, or the first one wasn't wholesome and the second one was unwholesome. It's just that the mind was in a different place at that particular moment. Both were beneficial. And the goal is to move the mind more and more and more to this stillness and this quietness where you can completely control the mind. But in order to get there, you're going to have to go through a whole lot of busyness, a whole lot of chatter to get to that stillness. And that's where the effort comes in. And that's why every time you choose to meditate every day, once, twice, three times a day, you're making good, wholesome choices to move in the direction of this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy, where the mind's still and peaceful. We have a question from Alan. After a certain period of time, my mind starts to become agitated with thoughts regarding how long I've been sitting and that my withdrawal for 30, 45, or 60 minutes of time intentionally taken away from family and other responsibilities. How do I manage this when it arises? Yeah, so it sounds like you still have craving, desire, attachment for your family, Alan, and this is common. The people that are the closest to you are the ones that the craving, desire, attachment's the strongest. So usually your parents, like your mom, dad, your grandparents, your life partners, wives, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, your children. These are typically attachments that are held the strongest and that are the deepest and the hardest to let go. So you've got to train the mind to know that it's okay for you to meditate. And by you doing this, it's actually helping your mind to be better so that when you are with your loved ones and the people that are closest to you, that you're gonna be in a better condition. You have to recognize, that's why I say, right when we go into breathing mindfulness meditation, I usually say, you know, this is your time. No one needs you right now, this is your time. And you've gotta make sure you understand that, that this is part of you training your mind and this is important for you. Because I bet when you take a shower, you don't feel guilty when you do that, right? When you take a shower, you don't feel guilty that you've left your family because you know that the body's dirty and you need to clean it every so often. Well, the mind's the exact same way. The mind gets dirty too. It's got pollution. So why are you feeling guilty that you are with yourself and not with your family when you're meditating, but you don't feel guilty when you take a shower, right? So you've got to get to the point where when you're meditating, it's just like you're taking a shower. It's like, hey, this is the time that I need and this is just what I do and this is part of life. Just like I brush my teeth, I take a shower, I need to train the mind and that's just part of maintaining this whole thing. 
And that's part of why we need to attain enlightenment and get the heck out of here. Because it's such a burden carrying this body around. We brush the teeth, we take showers, we feed it, we clothe it, we clip our nails, we cut our hair, we poop, we pee, we get sick. We have to take care of this human body that we're essentially carrying around this human body everywhere we go. So as soon as we get to enlightenment, to this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy, we're no longer reborn and we can lay down the burden of carrying around this physical body everywhere we go. This is a real chore. So each time you meditate, it's helping your family because you're going to come back and be a more peaceful person. But also it's helping you that you don't have to carry around this physical body all the time and take care of it so much because that's a real chore. Okay, well, thank you, David. It appears we have no more questions. Okay, I would just like to thank you all for joining and congratulate you on making the decision that this is something important for you. Because this is the very best thing that you could ever do for your life is make time in your life to meditate every day. And there's going to be days where you occasionally don't meditate. And that's okay because that's impermanence. But build your goal, build your objective, build your interest have an aspiration that once, twice, three times a day, you're going to be meditating. And this is just part of your life practice. This is just part of what you do. Just like you brush your teeth and you clean the body and you shampoo your hair, you meditate because you need to clean the mind. It's just part of life. It's part of maintaining what it is that you've got here. Because if you never meditate and you don't walk in this direction of the light, of walking to enlightenment, you're going to be doing this over and over and over and over again at some point. You're going to be reborn over and over and over again, and you're going to keep experiencing existence. And if you're tired of the discontentedness, you're tired of the frustration, of the loneliness, of the boredom, the guilt, and the shame, you're tired of carrying around this physical body, you're done with all of this hostility and aggression in the world, when you've decided that, okay, you're done with all of this, well, the exit door is through meditation. That's the exit door to get you out of here. So keep moving in that direction. Keep walking towards enlightenment. Keep continuing to read, listening to the podcast, watching the videos. Apply these teachings in your life because there's this intellectual learning and this intellectual understanding that you need but then you need this practical understanding where you take this intellectual knowledge that you gain through the books and videos and podcasts and other anything else, and then you apply it in daily life through practice. And you see that when you talk using the five factors of well-spoken speech, that your conversations go really, really well. And when you don't use the five factors of well-spoken speech, bad things happen. And you need to see that with your own eyes so you know the truth. And practice all these teachings. Look at each part of the Eightfold Path. Look at each part of the Five Precepts. Look at each part of the Three Poisons and the Natural Law of Gamma and all these teachings that are laid out in the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. Look at each one of these things to get your practical understanding. An intellectual understanding is where you need to start but then you need to move it into practice. And that's what we're doing in meditation. But you also need to do that in your daily life with things like I talked about with the phone or 
like my son. You got to observe where things are causing the mind to be discontent. See that red light on the dashboard and then actively train the mind to let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, just let go, right? There's no sense in holding on to any of this stuff because if you hold on, that's the craving desire attachment. It's going to lead to discontentedness and it's also going to lead to rebirth as well. So just let go of all of this, okay? Keep training the mind every single day in meditation, but also in daily life as well. Tomorrow on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 22 of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. This chapter is titled Mental Health, A Modern Day Delusion. What we're going to be talking about there is all of these different symptoms that we experience in the unenlightened mind of sadness and anger and anxiety and stress and excitedness and we might call it mania and depression all of these different things that we experience in the unenlightened state that can be traced back to an untrained mind and if you understand this chapter and you understand the other teachings in the book applying them in your life you can get to the point where you eliminate all of these symptoms that other people consider mental illnesses and that some people choose to take medication for but it doesn't typically solve the problem permanently you can actually get to the point where you train the mind so well that you don't need this anymore and i can speak to this through personal experience i'll probably share some of my experiences over 24 years of taking medications and doctor's appointments and going to hospitals, in and out of hospitals, that I eliminated all of this through training the mind with the Buddhist teachings. And if I did it, you can do it too. And not only have I done this, but there's been students who've been studying with me who've also done the same thing. So we're gonna talk about mental health as it relates to training the mind in the Buddhist teachings and helping you see that there's another way out of all of these symptoms that doesn't involve pharmaceuticals and a lot of the things that people are being led to believe right now. So we'll talk about that tomorrow on Sunday. On Wednesday, we're going to do breathing mindfulness meditation. And then Saturday, the 9th of January, is going to be our very first day of the Pali Canon and English study group. We're going to be using these books, Buddha Wajana, where we're studying the Buddha's words in English, and then we're going to be studying them in class right here on Saturday. So on the very first class, the 9th of January, I'm going to be providing you about 30 minutes of guidance to help you understand how to study the Pali Canon and how to approach the Buddhist teachings. Because if you're moving from the book that I wrote, Developing a Life Practice, that's like a bachelor's degree, master's degree in Buddhist studies. Now you're moving into a PhD program. And when you study this, you need to approach it in a bit of a different way. So I'm going to teach you how to approach this first when we talk on the 9th of January. And then we're going to actually study it during class. We're still going to live stream 
But I would encourage as many people as possible to come into Zoom because that's going to be a much better environment for us to talk back and forth and have discussion. Because I'm not going to be having any kind of prepared talks. It's going to be an interactive discussion where we talk about the Buddhist teachings and helping you see how his words further illuminate this path to enlightenment and further expand what I've already shared in the book that I wrote. So on the 9th of January, we're going to start with a brief little meditation, probably just 10 minutes. Then we're going to, I'm going to teach you how to approach the study of Gautama Buddha's teachings. Then we're going to actually study them. Every Saturday after that, we're just going to do a short little 10-minute meditation and then go right into studying the Buddhist teachings. So you'll see how we do that next Saturday. So between now and then, feel free to join on Sunday, which is tomorrow, or Wednesday. And then Saturday, we're going to do our Pali Canon and English study group. And the very first day, the 9th of January, we're going to be studying this book, Dhamma Trails. And we're going to be studying the first 25 chapters. Now, 25 chapters might sound like a lot, but it's actually not that many pages. It's very small book, very small printed page. Some of these chapters are even just half a page, like this one right here. This is just like a half a page, like two paragraphs. So those 25 chapters are only going to take you about 45 minutes or an hour to study it. So between now and Saturday, be sure to study the first 25 chapters, and then we're going to discuss them on Saturday the 9th. And you're going to need to have these books with you on Saturday the 9th because there's going to be times where you're going to need to go to an actual page and actually look in the book. So if you have your set of these with you, that's going to be really important. If you don't have a set of these, you can order it from our website, buddhadailywisdom.com. Go to the section on the menu that says online learning. And all the way at the bottom of that page, online learning, at the bottom, you can get a set of these sent to you. So these are going to be really helpful to further illuminate these teachings of the Buddha now that you have this understanding and framework of the Buddhist teachings through developing a life practice, the path that leads to Nibbana. So as you're studying, you're going to build up this intellectual understanding and then you can apply it in practice and see that the Buddhist teachings are true. You can gain wisdom and improve the condition of the mind and the condition of your life. Part of that practical understanding is practicing to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all people around you. Practicing to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all people. You don't need people to earn your respect because if they're earning your respect, that means you're judging them. You're comparing them and you're judging them and you're checking, do, do I really want to respect them or not? Right? You're trying to judge them and you need to let go of that. You need to let go of the judgment and comparing. So just respect everybody. Put a smile on your face. Treat everyone polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. And by you treating others that way, over time, more and more people will treat you that way. You're not treating people this way because you want others to treat you this way. 
you've got to treat people polite, kind, friendly, and respectful all the time just because it's the right thing to do. And when you come at it with that intention that it's just the right thing to do and you have no expectation of what others should or shouldn't do, then when someone does treat you polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, great, that's wonderful. And when somebody treats you with anger and hostility, you see that for what it is, which is their anger and their hostility. And you don't allow your mind to become discontent because of it. So do what you know is right. Polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. We'll see you in a future class. Thank you so much for joining. Keep meditating each and every day. See you next time. Sawadikhap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.